Black Power Matters. We have to recognize that America is a settler colony. The police are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. All over the world, you see people rising up. The people must have power. to the People's War Radio Show. I'm Dr. Matsumela Odom. And I'm Awambi Tongu. Uhuru means freedom in Swahili, and freedom is on our minds 24-7. Today, we have two special guests on the People's War Radio Show to talk about the situation for African people around the world and what the future holds as we look to 2021 and beyond. We see African people on the continent, in Europe, in the Caribbean, and in the U.S., facing dire conditions of poverty, lack of health care during a pandemic, denial of quality education and housing, and suffering violent oppression from police and military occupation forces. Yet, our guests are optimistic about our future. Today we have as our guests two African revolutionaries who will be presenting at the upcoming plenary conference of the African People's Socialist Party set for February 6th through 9th with the theme, African Workers of the World, Unite and Organize. Chimaranga Silimbao is the National Director of Organization for the African People's Socialist Party USA. Born and raised in St. Petersburg, Florida, Chimaranga is a lifelong member of the Uhuru Movement, currently based in St. Louis, Missouri. Chimaranga oversees the work of the Uhuru Movement organizations in the United States. Chimarenga is joined by Tafari Mugheri, the Director of Organization for Africa. Tafari is from Occupied Azania. Under Tafari's leadership, the African Socialist International has grown throughout various regions of Southern, Western, and East Africa. Welcome to the show, Chimarenga and Tafari. Let's start with Chimarenga. Can you tell our listeners about the living conditions of African people in the U.S. today? For example, when it comes to housing, food, education, health care, police, and military violence. I think I can say a few things about that. Uh, I've been in, involved in the Uhuru movement for about 30-some, 35, 36 years. I, I forget at the moment how many years, but during that time, I've been engaged in a number of different kinds of struggles, including housing, where we uh, constantly see places like St. Louis, where you got it just in one ward or, or the city council district, uh, as they're called in some places, over 2,000 abandoned houses uh, in the city of St. Louis, just in one ward, in just in Ward 3. And this situation uh, exists at the same time while you got all these Af- Africans who are, who are homeless in a city that's majority African. Is a situation that leads to mass incarceration because the policies, the public policy uh, that we all experience as Africans everywhere we are is uh, public policy of police containment. 
uh, particularly in this country, a public policy of police containment where we get, the only thing we can get more of is more police. And uh, we continue to demand a, a public policy of economic development so they can we can create African businesses and improve the African businesses that already exist. We have to be engaged uh, in these kind of struggles everywhere we are. For decades, we've had the status quo, just ignoring the needs of the people and helping big developers gentrify our community, uh, particularly in a city like St. Louis. For example, I, I just want to give an example on the housing question. Uh, from 2000 to 2010, Ward 3, which is one of the poorest wards in St. Louis, uh, lost 28% of its population, either through being pushed out, moving, and of course, uh, this poverty, this kind of poverty and, and unstable situation breeds uh, what they call crime. It's horizontal violence, a lot of violence between African people. But it's an economic problem that we had. Uh, some Africans living on $5 a day in the city of St. Louis, and beyond just losing a third, uh, almost a third of the population in 10 years, that trend is continuing uh, as the population continues to decrease. And we want to seize control over these abandoned houses. Just the 2000 in Ward 3 is not going to be enough. Uh, it's estimated that there are about 25,000 abandoned houses in the city of St. Louis total. So, um, of course, we want to address what's going on in the north side where the African community is located. That's almost half of the uh, population of the city of St. Louis, since St. Louis is about 51% African. So uh, it's the same old, same old for African people, more poverty, uh, continued struggles with housing, continued struggles against the police. And even as the Africans struggle against uh, police murders, Black people, the last thing we need is more spy planes, more police. We're saying reparations is due to the African community, and uh, that reparation should come in the form of the LRA, the so-called Land Reutilization Authority, has to be uh, reimagined into the Land Reparations Authority and get control of all these abandoned houses, renovate them, and start distributing them to the African community. Tafari. How is it for Africans on the continent? As, as you know, South Africa is a settler colony. And uh, 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 being a settler colony, it means that everything that is, uh, all activity in South Africa that takes place uh, is meant primarily for the benefit of those who are here as colonizers. And uh, so when you look at issues such as housing, education, uh, sanitation, and so forth, uh, you can see that uh, the situation is dire as far as the African population is concerned, uh, especially the African working class. Uh, right now, 26, um, 7 uh, years later, since 1994, when uh, we had a so-called black government, uh, African people are still in the shanty towns, uh, and then there is, uh, a, we have what, what is called squatter camps, squatter camps or informal settlements, and now a lot of people have moved to occupying land for themselves and if you just drive on a highway you will see like these uh, huge communities of 
uh, houses made of corrugated iron you know so uh, they even talk about a shortfall of something like 1.1.2 million of house uh, like in terms of housing for the people uh, but then we know that is just a a far cry from what uh, is actually the reality because a lot of African people uh, including those that are coming from Zimbabwe Mozambique they are some, some were crammed uh, in these uh, like small houses and they're not even counted in terms of their statistics so um, uh, this is just a, a question of the of the superstructure you know the superstructure of that rests upon an economic base of slavery and colonialism so you cannot expect otherwise african people are still colonized and uh, when you look at uh, the situation of african people today uh, health uh, for example there are people that like um, are in a critical state sick and then they go to a hospital and they told that uh, they are they are booked for like for a date that is that is four months later you know that person is sick and they have to wait for four months for them to get some kind of attention and when they go back after that four months uh, they uh, they are given some lousy medication you know like pills uh, drugs or whatever you know so this is the the real state of African people especially the African uh, working class right now uh, since they, there is a lockdown and uh, schools are shut down and uh, so those that are, are in uh, this, the, the private schools, uh, they, they are protesting the lockdown, saying that they should be able to have some kind of discretion to say that they, uh, they whether they want to open, reopen or not. And now they, uh, all these political analysts now are not talking about the question of inequality that oh, South Africa, they, this is just a sign that inequality is still uh, a real thing in South Africa, you know, like they wait, they always wait for some kind of incident to remember that African people are actually um, uh, uh, robbed of our, of our resources, you know, so like, like for, for example, uh, they, the question around racism being an issue according to the African petty bourgeoisie, uh, they will always come around and, and wait for white people to insult us or to prevent some petty bourgeois person from entering into a restaurant or calling us by names or whatever. And then they say, oh, there is racism in South Africa and whatever. They, so they never want to confront the real issue, which is the fact that African people are colonized. We, we, we exist as a colonized um, people on, 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 on our own land in the settler colony. So nothing has changed. Actually, things have gotten worse. Uh, Europeans are far richer right now than they uh, they were uh, uh, pre-1994. Uh, you know, they are more comfortable, more secure, safer. You know, during apartheid, they used to have this thing called Swart Khefar, which means black danger. They no longer talk about black danger now because they are safe. They have all these armed response uh, companies protecting them. And the state itself, you know, it protects white people and so forth. So, yeah, that, that's the situation right now. You are listening to the People's War Radio Show, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Our guests today are Chimaranga Silimbao and Tafari McGarry. Director Tafari, the conditions that you both just described are the result of a colonial relationship where African people are not able to produce wealth and value for ourselves but instead for white colonial capitalism. What role has the exploitation of African labor and resources 
in your region played in building the wealth of colonial capitalism currently or historically? Yes, uh, of course, uh, like uh, we are African internationalists, right? This political theory developed by Chairman Omali Ishitela, which uh, states uh, the fact of capitalism being born as a global economy. You know, wherever you go, you confront capitalism, even uh, in the so-called uh, socialist state, because, you know, uh, capitalism is defined by by um, by the relationship between like the colonizer, colonial powers, uh, appropriating value from those uh, nations that are colonized. That's that's what it is. And uh, when you look at uh, entities such as South Africa, uh, which is a colonial invention, they were born through uh, the attack on Africa. You know, they were not born through African people uh, advancing from some kind of stage to another, you know, of of progress and, and, and what have you. you know, so they were born as a negation of our our humanity or capacity uh, to produce and reproduce life for ourselves. That's how uh, South Africa itself was born. Actually, if we may just make historical references, um, they, they talk about South Africa like uh, historically the, the uh, being born from starting from 1652 when this Dutchman called uh, Jan van Riebeck established a, uh, a, a a relief station in, in what is called Cape Town and from then they fought wars uh, with the indigenous people here African people that they called the Khoisan butchered millions of us over there we resisted by the way you know it was not this thing that they referred to as uh, like some kind of agreement we made, they we traded our land for mirrors or whatever they the lousy stuff they they love to to say to justify why they still have what belongs to us. So um, so since then, especially with uh, the arrival of the British, you know, because the the Dutch were here first. I uh, know obviously the Portuguese did land and whatever, but then the, in terms of being settlers, the Dutch were here first, and then the the British came later. And uh, the, the British pushed the, the Dutch from the from the Cape uh, into the interior. And when, when the Dutch ended up in the interior, they discovered that firstly they discovered they were, that there were diamonds in what they call the Transvaal uh, in, in Kimberley. And then later on in the 18, uh, 1880s, uh, they discovered that there is gold in what they referred to as Johannesburg. And now you, you see Europeans like uh, like. Uh, you know, even in Europe, they, they refer to, to the Americas as the New World. Lots of white people like migrating from Europe going to the Americas. The same thing happened with white people uh, migrating from Europe coming over here. Actually, uh, this man called Cecil John Rhodes, when he was moving towards the north to uh, what they call Matabele Land, what is referred to as Zimbabwe right now. Uh, he went back to Europe and talked to the Queen, I think, um, Queen Victoria or something, to say that he needs like uh like uh troops or something like that to go and and and, and invade uh the the the, uh, the matebele land there and these were ordinary white people and they were promised that uh, once they defeat the the, the uh the, the matebele african people they they will get uh acres of land and so forth you know so ordinary white people who used to be peasants from the feudal system of europe could now accumulate wealth and that's what we see right now we have companies such as dbs that own diamonds or families such as the oppenheimers rupert and whatever they 
literally control this thing that they call a country as South Africa. And uh, this is uh, inheritance for them. Actually, South Africa was uh, constructed uh, through uh, like the Dutch and the British resolving contradictions of who should own the, these resources, the diamonds and the golds and whatever. They went through two wars, the first Anglo-Boer War and the second Anglo-Boer War. Uh, with the end of the second Anglo-Boer War, uh, they, they resolved to create this thing called the Union of South Africa, you know, so to reconcile their differences. And African people could not even vote as such, unless if you're in the Cape and you had certain property and whatever. But then as, as a population, we didn't couldn't even vote. So South Africa was uh, was born that way and it remains that way for the material benefit of the colonizer you know so, and it remains that way it's, it's a colonial reality that we are confronted with i heard a statistic that suggests that the white settler population still owns at least 80 percent of the land in south africa is that true yes that is true you know since 1994 um when mandela became the president the anc promised that some i think by 2010 if i'm not mistaken no 14 2014 that they would have expropriated uh something like 30 some 34 percent of the land imagine that you know 34 percent of the land and right now it's 2021 and they've only like uh retrieved something like eight percent of that land and we don't even know what that eight percent is doing whether it's there for the people or the petty bourgeoisie being able to uh, acquire some piece of land and uh, like continue the exploitation of the of the African population, you know. So uh, the African petty bourgeoisie cannot provide solution for the masses of the, of the people, you know. And uh, the, 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 the colonizers here in South Africa, like we said, this is a settler colony. So they have this spiritual, some kind of spiritual attachment to the land, yeah? especially the the settler Dutch that they re, that referred to themselves as the Afrikaners, and Afrikaners is supposed to mean Africans, you know. So they 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 moved, they sort of detached themselves from, uh, from from Holland or Netherlands and said, we have now when we have now consolidated a nation of our own from uh, away from home, away from what they call the mother country, you know. So so they have this spiritual attachment. Actually, in uh, when they were having these. Uh, negotiations in the 1990s and so forth uh they, they there's this man called um Terre Blanche you know Eugene Terre Blanche and uh he had this organization called the WAB if I'm not mistaken and they literally said this is our land it's on land we build this country you know so they will not they will not just simply uh like uh willy-nilly just let go of the land just like that and the ANC are scared of the consequences if they do that because they saw in in Zimbabwe what happened uh, when Mugabe uh, uh, like a uh, beg the 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 the, 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 the people in taking back the land from the from the settlers there sanctions and whatever that's the price you have to pay if you are serious about what they refer to as sovereignty and whatever that's what happened in Cuba sanctions in Cuba for taking back our land sanctions in Venezuela for taking back our land but then the the, the neocolonialists are not prepared to uh, to 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 go that route because they depend on the on the on the imperialists for anything military uh, like um, in terms of finance and even in terms of a simple things such as the curriculum you know the South African curriculum mirrors the curriculum from Australia and sometimes um, 
like Switzerland or whatever. They they never they never they're not even creative, and uh, so so it's 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 neocolonialism. So neocolonialism is a perpetuation of you know of, of colonialism. You know. Oh yeah, I've noticed that uh, you and Shimaranga. Uh, in different ways, ha- are both talking about uh, struggles against colonialism, but also neocolonialism and the African petty bourgeoisie. Just briefly, can you also tell us about the situation in other parts of Africa? I know that you are leading the building in Central Africa, West Africa, East Africa. Uh, are Africans suffering from similar conditions there? Right. You know, uh, um, one thing that we have came to 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 realize as being crucial is to really define the essence of our struggle. What is it that we are struggling for? Uh, in 2017, uh, Chairman O'Malley uh, wrote the political report to the um, uh, to, 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 to that plenary that occurred in 2017. And he has one subtitle that says, what will a liberated Africa look like? And we had to address the question of what is it that we're fighting for? And that question has not really been thoroughly entertained here in Africa, you know. So you look at places such as Tanzania and Rwanda, for example. The Pan-Africanists look at Tanzania with Makafuli there as being progressive, uh, simply because maybe the Tanzania can say, no, we're not going to accept your vaccines. Or they can say uh, say something like, um, you know, uh, uh, like we're going to, like Tanzania, for example, they will say, uh, instead of learning in, in the, the, the the medium of instruction in schools and whatever and government being English, you're gonna have Kiswahili as the medium of instruction, and that's supposed to mean like that's progressive and that's that's what we're fighting for. But then, what what we're fighting for is for the African working class to be able to have uh, control and ownership over the means of production. You know what the people produce. So this is still neocolonialism because. Whatever sorts of development that you see in Rwanda, Tanzania, or any of these uh, uh, 54 or plus um, uh, colonial inventions, you can see that they are always tied to the European uh, economy. That's why Chairman O'Malley Hitler says that there is in Africa there is no African economy. What we have is a colonial economy because the primary uh, function of, uh, of production, the product process uh, is, is meant to serve them uh, the transfer of our resources to Europe or even internally you know the white population uh, sometimes the petty bourgeoisie may get uh, some some like uh, some share there you know just to uh, maintain that relationship uh, that facilitates the exp- exploitation and immiseration of the African uh, working class so it is the same everywhere you know uh, so that is the case, you know, if every single country has a set of its own colonial contradictions, you go to Chad, Niger and so forth, you have these militias moving around fighting to grab some kind of piece of, of resources that they can get. You know, the chaos uh, in, in Congo, for example, is uh, is like orchestrated, engineered by imperialism to make sure that they don't have to pay the actual price of the minerals that they loot there to uh, to... Uh, to use for their own development and, and whatever. So it's colonialism up and down the line. Uhuru, I really appreciate that, Tafari. Chimaranga, how about in the United States? Uh, can you talk? Can you explain the role of exploitation of African labor and resources and the role that it played in building the white North American wealth? Yeah, I appreciate that question. I also want to appreciate the input from Chairman Tafari. 
Uh, in the United States, of course, uh, we have colonialism. Uh, it's, it's a little, um, it has sort of a unique characteristic, uh, this colonialism does in the United States, because it works on a couple of levels. Uh, we have what we call domestic colonialism, where the Africans were brought from our national homeland of Africa, brought here to work for free and build uh, this country. And then we we have settler colonialism, uh, where the white people came and then they used the land of the native people, the indigenous people, to to actually carry out that production. Uh, they stole the land of the native people massacred them in large numbers and uh, at one point there were more than a billion people and a billion indigenous people in north america and it's only a handful now you can't hardly bump into a so-called native american or indigenous person in this country however our labor as africans served to build uh, the u.s colonial uh, state and the white people who came here, uh, while they brag many times about this being the freest country in the world and the greatest country in the world, it's a country based on genocide and and the theft of the native people's land and forced labor of the Africans who were forced here, who are now owed more than $4.1 trillion as calculated by the 1982 World Tribunal on Reparations to African people in the U.S., and now estimated that that labor cost is now estimated at some fourteen trillion dollars that uh, in in African labor that was stolen. So that amount of money, of course, has has the ability to uh, transform a whole nation. And of course, in four hundred and some years, uh, that's exactly what they've done. They built a, a white. Uh, state, uh, the U.S. colonial white state uh, that uh, serves uh, white people, uh, but it also maintains colonial control over the African population and maintains colonial, uh, settler colonial control over the native people population and force them uh, into what they call reservations, but um, essentially are just prisons. So, um, we, we can see how even after the so-called end of slavery, they created what they call slavery by another name, convict leasing, which would exploited the labor of, of Africans who were supposed to be technically free, but now can labor for free in the U.S. because they so-called committed a crime. So that, uh, of course, the U.S. Constitution allows free labor from somebody who has committed a crime. Of course, what they did is, well, they make sure that the Africans commit crimes. So they committed all kind of vagrancy laws and laws to make it illegal, essentially being illegal to be African, and then uh, started locking Africans up in massive numbers and uh, just created another free labor source uh, for plantation owners. And, and of course, this went way beyond beyond the South. So it just created another labor source, free labor source for the U.S. It was a, there's a very good book uh, 
in in movie movie called uh, Slavery by Another Name, and I think it's really important that we note that uh, the U.S. economy was built on the backs of African people, and uh, reparations are due. Uh, the demand for reparations uh, must be contextualized as a revolutionary demand because they can never pay us the amount of money, the amount of blood that they've taken from African people uh, can never be repaid. Uh, and uh, we must contextualize the demand for reparations within the demand for our people to make a revolution and free ourselves for good from uh, capitalist, colonialist uh, domination and control. So we've seen the labor of African people build a great uh, imperialist colonial capitalist country, the U.S., the head of the capitalist world. And it, it wasn't happenstance. It wasn't because white people are thrifty. It wasn't because of any of those things. It was because of 400 and some years of stolen labor from African people. And the, around the same amount of, of uh, time thieving the land, th uh, stealing the land from the native people, and sometimes trying to intern them in mines and that kind of thing. But it's a dual kind of colonialism going on in the United States. And uh, as African internationalists, we have to be able to be clear that we have settler colonialism in place as it is characterized in the uh, oppression of the indigenous people. And then we have domestic colonialism uh, as it reveals itself, uh, colonialism reveals itself uh, in the exploitation of African people in the United States. So labor, theft of labor has played the primary role in the building of colonial capitalism, not just in the U.S., but it is built capitalist colonialism all over this country. Chairman Tafari, uh, all over the world, Chairman Tafari talked about uh, how this was done in uh, South Africa, occupied Azania. It was done all over Africa. And, and we have to uh, understand that when you steal labor, that's where value is located. So the creation of its value is uh, created through labor. Uh, so uh, uh, nothing can be, uh, you know, considered valuable unless somebody is actually putting their hands to nature and, and building things. And that's what Africa, Africans did when they were forced here to this country. There's not one house, one car that white people can identify, uh, one picket fence that they can identify that uh, African labor was not responsible for producing. I just wanted to say those things and also appreciate Comrade Tafar because he's, like he was saying, this is a connection. It's not two separate things. Colonialism just reveals itself a little differently in the U.S. than it does in occupied Azania. But it's African people who are being colonized. So we have to fight on every front which is why we are building an international organization, the African People's Socialist Party, 
That's why you have to have an international organization because colonialism is international. Capitalism is international. So to destroy this beast, we have to remove the pedestal that uh, supports it, our labor, our very presence uh, that continues to support and hold up the uh, the edifice of capital, colonial capitalism and continues to feed it uh, with our blood and our labor. You are listening to the People's War Radio Show, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 in St. Petersburg, Florida. Our guests today are Chimaranga, Solombao, and Tafari Mugari. Director Tafari, at first we didn't see a big at first we didn't see big COVID-19 numbers coming out of South Africa. And now we're hearing about a new and more contagious variant emerging in South Africa. We've also heard about the lockdowns and how this has impacted the ability of Africans to get basic food and supplies. What's happening in South Africa right now in relation to the pandemic? Right now, what we're looking at is, um, is the government in, uh, uh, in a state whereby they can't manage things anymore, you know. So they, they, they're so confused in terms of how they are caught up between how to convince the people uh, that, uh, that they have to unite with the government, with the existing, you know, government uh, in, in, in fighting this external factor that is coming to affect all of us, you know. So that's what they're suggesting to say that uh, there is a new enemy. So let us unite. Actually, when uh, the, 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 the South African president, Cyril uh, Ramaphosa, goes live to address the so-called nation um, uh, about the COVID-19 updates, they call it a family meeting, you know. So, uh, so but the, the, the basic point that I'm trying to make here is that every crisis... Uh, uh, that that emerges or every situation that emerges the ruling class or even those those that are in power will always use that situation uh to to to, to attack either attack the people or to further unite the people uh with with their own oppression so that's what's happening right now um i i, I saw that uh statistics are like uh or like over close to 1.5 million people having been uh, infected by the virus and uh, over one point, I mean, 40, uh, 41,000 uh, people having died with COVID-related um, uh, issues. Uh, and even I think ju- just last week, uh, the, the ANC, the government was bearing one of its most beloved, like cadres, you know, cadres uh, uh, in, in their own uh, ministerial cabinet, you know. So this is something that's even hitting them hard. Uh, so so it, it, it's a situation. But then when you go to the townships, people don't want to hear anything about uh, the government uh, uh, talking about the biggest enemy being this external factor. They are preoccupied about how we're going to feed our own children, you know, uh, the, the, the same old issues, you know, even though right now they become exacerbated because the lockdown implies that all the shebeen must be closed. Uh, people cannot uh, go about and uh, and be able to make ends meet like uh, they would normally do under normal circumstances. So uh, uh, the crisis deepening for the for the government. A lot of people have lost confidence uh, in, 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 in the existing government right now. But then uh, the, 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 based on the fact that the people don't have their own organization, they don't have their own philosophy, everything uh, for the African working class is borrowed from either our class or national enemies. 
we can't really orientate ourselves in terms of where we are in relation to the country and this colonial virus. So uh, the, the neocolonialist uh, is able to even create assumptions of us being our own enemies. Like, for example, there are Africans that are coming from Zimbabwe, for example. They, they are stuck in the borders there. And then you'll hear people saying, put South Africans first. They don't allow those foreigners to come into our country because they're going to just exacerbate the problem or take our jobs or anything like that, you know. So the African working class really needs to be able to identify the African petty bourgeoisie as a problem, you know, uh, and um, and be able to... to, to to understand the fact that the reason we have all these this problem is because of the stolen black labor stolen black land you know we don't have, own anything we don't own uh, the capacity to uh, to feed clothe and shelter ourselves that has been taken away from uh, from, from us and um, at the same time um, the government is able to borrow money from from the IMF and so forth 70 something million rands and uh, and that money is being looted by the neocolonialists, you know, they call it corruption and whatever. And the African working class is unable to uh, to access any of that right now. So uh, uh, the colonial virus uh, has actually exposed some deep-seated contradictions that exist in this country. And uh, people are, are coming, uh, uh, are waking up to political consciousness. So we should expect to see a disaster. Uh, emerging from this country. I see on Facebook a lot of people making fun of the uh, it's incumbent, the, the, the president uh, for being a clown and whatever. And this is just evidence of the fact that the African petty bourgeoisie, the neocolonialists have lost uh, in integrity, you know. So um, uh, obviously, uh, in terms of the, of the new variant, uh, I think there is more panic in terms of the, of, of the ruling class. And the people right now are like they, they will suffer the consequences for the, for, for the whole thing because we are walking around without masks uh, and, and people are dying in the township. That's, that's a real thing happening. They are dying in the township because of this colonial virus, you know. So uh, we need organization. That's what we need. What we, what we need. We need organization to be able to, to determine uh, what we need to protect ourselves, you know, because the petty bourgeoisie can tell us something on, on, on the television. We cannot know whether that's for our own interest or for their own interest. Like, for example, when they talk about vaccines, we know that vaccines are used, uh, like, they are used to, to, to really generate uh, income for the, for the ruling class when they are unable to, uh, to, to expropriate value by other means. They will always invent stuff for them to be able to make money, especially from these neocolonialists across Africa and whatever. They'll say, you need the vaccine and whatever. And then the petty bourgeoisie have to make a way uh, for them to gather that money. Like, I had just recently on the news uh, saying that South Africa is going to pay like, I don't know, double or even more than double for a vaccine, uh, for, 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 for a specific vaccine, uh, you know, so it's, and then you wonder why, you know, why South Africa has to pay more, you know, so is, is the international ruling class, the international capitalist taking advantage of the new colonies and the African petty bourgeoisie because they are interested directly tied to that to that of the international capitalists. They cannot even resist something that they, they it's 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 uh, it's open, you know, um, that this is uh, the, the the international ruling class taking advantage of not only of the working class in in these countries, but of the petty bourgeoisie themselves 
you know so so i think we we should see this as uh like they're saying it's a global pandemic right let's look at it as this whole social system across the world in crisis you know trying to rescue itself one way or another either inventing through inventing these viruses or using them uh to to their own advantage so that that's that's what's happening it's imperialism in crisis and the people need to organize themselves and not uh not even panic but then to to realize what we're dealing with oh Chimaranga. What's happening now around the U.S. with COVID and African people? Well, right now we have uh, almost 26 million cases in the U.S., uh, according to the CDC. Uh, 400 and some thousand, almost 450,000 deaths. However, uh, Black people are almost three times as likely to die from COVID-19 more than three times likely to be hospitalized uh, for this uh, for the virus. So, of course, the bourgeois explanation for the colonial virus, as we call it, is that uh, Black people have more pre- pre-existing conditions. They have more di- conditions that are uh, make you uh, much more like- likely to uh, die from it, uh, high blood pressure, um, diabetes. However, uh, even as they say that, <laughs> they don't explain it as a condition of colonialism. Of course, we have more high blood pressure because we're colonized. So, uh, of course, we have more diabetes because we're colonized. Of course, we have less access to health care because we're colonized subjects. So they don't add that caveat. They just say all oh, these other things just make it more likely that you'll die or be hospitalized by it if you're black. But it is not that simple. Uh, that's why uh, millions of African people are refusing to take this vaccine because they know the history of this country. The Tuskegee, Tuskegee experiments when the U.S. government actually experimented uh, on syphilis on African people to to not give them a cure, to just let them die from, from syphilis. And uh, these kind of things make Black people very leery. Just the fact that the government is doing it, the same state apparatus that has murdered us in the street by the police, sent us to die on the front lines of this country, is, is cannon fodder as they try to fight everybody in the world who is not white. Uh, so none of that is a put in the explanation of why white, why African people don't want to take this virus, this this vaccine. And clearly that's so. I mean, uh, I know a registered nurse who's saying she's not going to take it because they did it too fast. It was done so fast, uh, as opposed to taking years, it was done in months. So, of course, that's what the bourgeoisie does when they see money on the horizon. Uh, they'll do anything you ask them. They'll, as somebody once said, they'll sell you the rope to hang them with. So uh, you see black people in the situation where we're, where we're dying almost three times as likely to die from it more than three times as likely to be hospitalized for it. Uh, 
This is not a happenstance. This is not a coincidence. That's what happens to colonial subjects because you're not going to get health care like you're supposed to get uh, in a country like this one where uh, everything is a commodity, even health care. If you got the money, you can get it. You can go to a hospital even if you're not sick, if you got the money, and, and lay up for a few days like it's a hotel. So if you got the money to do it, you can make it happen. Well, black people don't have that kind of resources. Our resources are constantly being exploited from us, our labor, uh, which is a tremendous resource, continually being exploited. And now this coronal, this colonial virus that they call, call COVID-19 uh, is affecting us way disproportionately uh, than it should um, in a population that, that they claim is a minority of 25, 30 million people in this country. So uh, we have to ask the question, why Why would African people die three times more, be three times more likely to die? Why would they be three times as likely to be hospitalized? And of course, it's colonialism. That is the answer to that question. And uh, we're clear about that, but we we have to fight to help the African nation be clear about that. You are listening to the People's War Radio Show, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Our guests today are Chimarenga Silambao and Tafari McGarry. Director Tafari, how is the African Socialist International and APSP organizing throughout Africa to unify and liberate African people? And what does the future hold going forward into 2021? Thank you for, for that question, uh, um, uh, Dr. Matsumela, because uh, it is an exciting process, you know, just to know that you have access to your African people because, like, colonialism, what it has done is it has deprived us of a lot, uh, especially for someone like myself grew, who grew up in the townships. I grew up in the townships of South Africa, just just into what was called Soweto, you know, and uh, when you are there, all you know is your township. And if someone comes from another township and they are in my township, where they from, what do they want and whatever. And we know with these townships, they are created to really as some kind of uh, reserve for the labor of African people when white people are colonizers, need us. That's where they find us. And we see these uh, this kind of uh, reality uh, across the continent. You go to Kenya, Nairobi, you go to Mombasa, you go to uh, Dar al Salaam, or you go to Lagos, you see this kind of um, condition for African working uh, people. And we work very hard, you know. So, but then now we are not organized, you know. We are, we are not organized. We are only organized as far as our labor is concerned uh, when it's being expropriated, used for the benefit of the uh of the industrial complex of the capitalist you know so we are building a a a, a movement uh, a single movement um uh, across the continent right now uh is the director of organization uh for the asi africa region um, I'm, I'm in touch with comrades in east africa kenya tanzania uganda uh, we are building the party there uh, i'm in touch with comrades in um in, in, in Cameroon, uh, 
Chad, Cote d'Ivoire, uh, Sierra Leone, uh, Ghana, across West Africa, we have comrades there and they're members of the African People's Socialist Party. This is a single organization, centralized leadership, the same philosophy, you know. Uh, uh, so um, everything we do is built under a single strategy that is informed by the theory of African internationalism, which says that Africans are a dispersed nation wherever we are. We live under colonial domination. And this is um, whenever, like, like whenever you, 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 uh, you encounter people and talk to them about this, this, this just makes sense. And African people are very receptive of, uh, of, uh, of the concept of, of, a, of a unified Africa, you know, without these colonially imposed borders. So this is an actual uh, negation of, uh, of, 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 of colonialism in, in, in process. Like we say, African internationalism is, is a theory of, of practice, you know. When you talk about Africa, African unity, we don't talk about it in the abstract to say uh, Africa must unite or Kumbaya, we are the same and, and, uh, and, and, and it's true, we are the same, but then how do we unify Africa? How do we do that in practice? We say we do that through making the African revolution through organization because we have uh, the colonial states in Africa. We have new colonial states. We saw what happened in Uganda just recently uh, with um, uh, Museveni and, and Bobby Wine. Right now, as we speak, Bobby Wine is under house arrest unless something has happened since uh, that court declared that he should be released and whatever. But then uh, he, he, he could not win through elections. Museveni won the elections before the elections occurred. You know, uh, you, you, you go to, uh, to, to Rwanda, for example, there is no uh, challenge in Kagame there whatsoever. So, the, so we cannot sing our way to freedom. We cannot uh, post or Facebook our way to freedom. We have to organize, build our capacity, the African working class to have access to this uh, instrument, uh, or you know, cause that's what the party is anyway. It's an instrument uh, to serve a class interest, you know, to advance the interest of a particular class. So this is the only revolutionary African working class political party that I know of across the world. That this is the only party that I know of, and it is growing across the continent. So this is the year of of the African Socialist International. Uh, in Africa in particular, um, just people must just look out for what's about to happen. Um, I think we are, we, we are in a, uh, at a point of no return. And this is, this is the, just the laying the foundations for a, an independent socialist African government, socialist state. Uhuru, thank you. I appreciate that, Chairman Tafari. Chimarenga, what about the U.S. and North America? Well, we're, we're moving very fast toward a plenary. The African People's Social Supported Plenary that's going to be happening on February 6th through the 9th. And Africans from all over the world, more than just Africans in the party, but all Africans who supporters of the party, just ordinary working class people, are going to be on that webinar. And it's going to be really important. And I think it's it, it even gets has greater importance in in the context and the aftermath of regional conferences, the international regional conferences that we just did, um, completed the last one on Sunday. Regions in the U.S., Africa, and Europe, uh, Caribbean, 
all those regions came together to, for regional conferences to help mobilize and cast a wide net to mobilize African people under a Black Power Summit. And that's what we call those conferences. So we are heading uh, in that direction to our plenary, February 6th through the 9th. And uh, I encourage you to go to uh, APSVUHUR.org and certainly you can get registered for the plenary. Um, if you show, so choose, want to try to join the party before then, please go to APSVUHUR.org and send us a one, two, three contact form and we'll look at that form and and see if uh, if it's a good fit for you. Why did the African People's Socialist Party pick the theme, African Workers of the World Unite and Organize for the upcoming plenary, either Tafari or Chimurunga? Well, I, I, I think it's pretty clear that African workers are going to be the central force in the uh, struggle for liberation for the entire African nation. We will be leading the African nation. Uh, the African People's Socialist Party is the vanguard party of the African working class. So it was a very natural kind of uh, name that we would give our plenary to show that the African working class is certainly the leader of the entire African revolution. And uh, we want to just keep reminding our class that we're the leader. Um, all African people aren't... Uh, African working class people are not convinced of that. And we believe our job as revolutionaries is to convince the entire African working class and, and the world, for that matter, that African workers are going to lead this revolution and lead us to our total freedom and liberation. So it makes sense to have that kind of title. Uhuru, thank you all for uh, being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Africa. Uhuru. Chairman Tafari, I heard you say Mount Africa. Uh, for the people uh, listening, can you explain that term? Because I think it uh, relates to the title of the show. Yes, uh, um, Africa is just, um, just, just like it's just simply saying African. You know, just the the prefix mo m o, which you can, you can either be m o or m, or m u, depending on the language, is reference to to the person that you are. Just you addressing someone else, then African, you know, it's more Africa, just addressing the next person as an African. So basically a son or daughter of Africa, correct? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So if it's uh, in plural, you say Ma Africa, Ma Africa. But if it's one person, you just say more Africa. Uhuru, uhuru. Thanks for that. You're listening to the People's War Radio Show. Produced by WBPU Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Our guests today were Chimarenga Selambao and Tafari Mugari. WBPU is a project of the African People's Education and Defense Fund, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to defend the human and civil rights of the African community and address the grave disparities faced by African people in education, healthcare, and economic development. For more information on the African People's Education and Defense Fund, visit apedf.org. Episodes of the People's War Radio Show are available on the Black Power Talks podcast on wubp.podbean.com. For updates and resources to fight the coronavirus or to volunteer with Project Black Ankh, visit developmentforafrica.org. We'd like to thank our guests, Chimarenga Solombao, and Tafari Mugheri for joining us today.
We'd also like to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. We are a nation of people that's been dispersed against our will. We must be organized. There are material objectives that we have as a people. We can't settle. We demand reparations. We are one people. We are one Africa. We are Africans. We were Africans when we got on the ship. We are Africans when we got off the ship. Black power matters. We have to recognize that America is a settler colony. The police are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. All over the world, you see people rising up. The people must have power. Because we are Africans. Our power to the people. Black power to the African community. They thought they had destroyed the movement, but we are here to tell them that black is back. Black is back. Capitalism must be destroyed. Colonialism must be destroyed. The people must have power.